my god. Should that be nice. the intro? No. God, no. You know what's crazy um, is I edit a podcast. That is true. My fun fact, you can decide whether you include it or not, is a... Not sure how big of a fan you are of the um the axolotl, but <laughs> the axolotl's a, a neotechnic salamander. Um, it's it's other referred to as the Mexican walking fish, but it's actually not a fish; it's an amphibian. Um, some cool facts that it, about the actual fish itself is it can grow back limbs, which is pretty sick. It can even regenerate its lungs, heart, spinal cord, and parts of its brain. See, nuts. when you said fun fact, I was imagining a like Raja Nangolan has the most appearances in Syria ever. No, no, okay. Uh, the axolotl is also a thousand times more resistant to cancer than other mammals, so scientists are hoping to uh study their genes and hopefully we can use CRISPR to get their genes and our genes. You know, I'm not gonna lie, I did not know what an axolotl was until Minecraft update. That's pretty sad. Oh my god. My bad. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Alright. Okay. Me, my, Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast. I'm your host, Jack. I'm here with my co-host, Oscar. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, today we're doing kind of a new style again. What a surprise. <laughs> the We Know Ball podcast and our, and our bipolar disorder. Um, but we were talking, Oscar and I, and we felt that the old format was getting old. Kind of the, uh, the sections, you know, little 20-minute sections here and there, just the weekend review, things like that. Who really cares at the end of the day, you know? You can have your own opinion on those things. And as much as, you know, we know ball and we have a lot of knowledge about it, uh, our opinions genuinely just don't matter. So we're hey. shifted gears a little bit. They do matter. They do matter. I, I saw I'm sorry. us like that, right? I think we provide valuable insight to our listeners, which is why we should keep listening to us. I agree with your statement. However, Thank you. there's millions of others that they can also listen to. But what they can't find out is ball knowledge. And guess what? We have a lot of ball knowledge. And so we're going to start our new series, pretty much, which is us finding parts of football that we find interesting and then explaining it to you guys. Um, we've done our own research about it. It's kind of going to be more of an informative podcast than our conversational one we had before, because at the end of the day, we want you guys to take away something from this. That's not just, you know, a good filler. We'd like this to be a little more valuable to you. Um, if you want to hear more, too, don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms, Spotify, okay. Apple Music, Stop. and all the plugs you can imagine. <laughs> Yes, please do follow the podcast if you haven't followed already, because today we're going to be talking about something that is a it, it's coming up, Oscar. It's something that you've in previous wow. episodes mentioned you've lost sleep over yeah. um, the absolute the, the what is it called? A quadrillennial? Is that um, what it would be called? Quadrillennial. Yeah, yes. I think it's a quadrillennial. Yeah. Well, we're talking about the World Cup, guys. I mean, it's pretty it's coming up soon, right? I think it's one month from today. First game. Yeah. Well, one month Starts from on the... yesterday by the time it comes out, but yes. Yes, okay, yeah, one, one month from yesterday. So it starts on November 20th and ends on uh, December 18th. However, we want to break down exactly how we're going to talk about it today. So uh, our structure, essentially, I'm going to tell, talk to you guys about like the early history and the context of the World Cup, um, kind of how it became a major tournament today. Then Oscar's going to take over, uh, 
kind of going through the meat of the World Cup in general, which is kind of a Why hard job. I mean, it, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Why kind of just the best it? moments. Just like, what are the biggest matches? What are the biggest moments? Things like that, and then uh, come back to me, and I'll talk a little bit about like the modern World Cup, what we're looking forward to this year, and then also how it's going to evolve in the future, um, and what are some of the problems that are going on this year, especially about the World Cup. But let's just kind of get our toes wet a little bit. Uh, Oscar, what was the first World Cup you watched? Do you remember? I do. So, okay. The first World Cup I, I really... The first World Cup I distinctively remember more or less every game from was Brazil, the 2014. Yeah, but fair. when I used to live in France, I remember also for the 2010 World Cup, we'd get, like, panini packs of players with, like, our school lunches, mm, and that kind of yeah. made me, like, understand what was happening. Admittedly, I was, like, seven, so I didn't really... Wait, did they give them out, like, a governmental lunch? Came with, like, a, a top yeah, pack? Yeah, the, the school cafeteria gave out, like, panini packs. Dude, that's so sick. Yeah, and, like, I remember one time, like, someone was like, yo, like, I got Iniesta, whatever. But so, like, I like I kind of remember the 2010 World Cup, but, like, the... I'll get, I'll get into it later, but I think for me, the 2014 one was the first one that I was really, like, okay, I need to pay attention to this. Yeah. That was the first experience I had with soccer that I actually, like, loved. The 2014 one, because it was, like, in our time zone, pretty much. It was only two hours later, right? I, I lived in France still, so for me, it was, like, oh, 8 oh. Yeah, for us, it was, like... I think most games are at like 3 p.m., 4 p.m. And I was staying up at a, our house in, in Santa... Where, where is it? Santa Cruz, yeah. And um, there was this little Italian restaurant that was in a basement. It was called Tony and Alba's. And um, I'd go there in the afternoons, and I'd sit there from when the first kickoff was. I think it was 11 a.m. till 6 p.m. or something. And I'd just watch football and eat pasta every day. I, I can't imagine you as like a... What, like a... 13, 12 year olds. Yeah, 12 yeah. year olds watching like Saudi Arabia versus like Azerbaijan. Bro, that's literally what I would do. I would just sit there with just these random people and just talk soccer. And I'd learn about it. That's kind of where I, I first learned about the sport and everything was, was in that, was in Tony and Alba's basement. It was a, be- it was a beautiful place. You should go um, back to the World Cup final. Dude, I would be so down. I actually should. Right? Because it's over But it's going to be right? at like 5 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, worth it. Who cares? Um, so yeah, let's get into this year's World Cup. I mean, we're all, we're all excited. I mean, it's a weird mix of emotions, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, just to give some context for those who don't know, this year's World Cup is hosted in Qatar, uh, which it's the first World Cup in the Arab world, which is kind of cool. It's the first one in Asia since the one in Japan. Yeah, Japan. I believe two thousand two. I think. Yeah, I think, and that was the only other one in Asia, um, ever, which is pretty interesting. Uh, again, there's a total of five host cities and eight playing venues, which if you actually think about it, it's not that many. Like, I mean, there's only eight. small to begin with. Yeah, it is. So there's, again, there's only a total of five host cities. Um, and the games go from November 20th to December 18th. There's games every day, which is super exciting, uh, with up to four matches a day at different times. So we'll, we'll have a lot of football, <laughs> a lot, a lot of football. <laughs> Um, for any of our American listeners, uh, especially the West Coast, uh, games will be starting as early as 2 a.m. and going as late as 11 a.m. There's a 10-hour time difference from Pacific Standard Time to Qatar. So just keep that in mind when you see kickoff times. They might not be in your listed time, so just make sure you check that when you're watching the games. Um, there's a total of 64 games in the entire tournament, and uh, the last world, this is the last World Cup that will include 32 teams. 
Uh, next World Cup in 2026, it'll include 48 teams, which is pretty crazy. And do you know where it is, Jack? Yes, I do, baby. It's next to us. We have it. We can go to games. We can go see an exorbitant amount of football in 2026. You know what's crazy, though, is that it's so spread out. Like, it's so big, this this span of where the actual team they're going to play. Because it's Canada, Mexico, and the U.S., and it's, like, everywhere. But I told my parents this already, that I'm I'm going to quit my job in 2026 and just travel for the whole summer. I was going to say, you don't understand how many Delta points I'm going to accumulate over a two-month time frame. Yeah, my credit company is going to be absolutely losing their minds. They're going to be like, you do not own this amount of money. <laughs> Whatever. We'll tank the credit okay. score for it, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, worth it. Who cares? But if my team doesn't make it, I, I might I might commit, you know. The bad. I might jump off a, a Minecraft bridge. Yeah, it makes know? sense. That's understandable. I feel that. Um, But going way, way back in time, I want to get us into kind of the history of the World Cup and international football in general. Because uh, I think we kind of take it for granted that this thing's always been around, but realistically, it's actually not that old in terms of the whole scope of things. Football yeah. in general is pretty young. Um, I'm pretty sure this is only like the 17th World Cup. Yeah, it's this is only the 22nd total. Right, which like that's insane. Year. Like you, you it's pretty like, nuts. It's crazy. Um, when do you think the first international game was played? If you had to guess like actually like arbitrated international game or just like yeah, yeah two national teams that were like said oh these are this we're playing this team versus this team those two different countries i imagine like late 1890s early 1900s somewhere around there surprisingly like, it's a, it's a little earlier than that um it was in 1872 it was between england and scotland um and those were the only two nations really in the world who were playing football at that time is kind of which is crazy to think about that brazil is not the birthplace of it that it is it is from england technically uh the, <laughs> what we know of modern football as obviously there's we can root this history all the way back to like the aztecs things like that uh but we're, we're keeping it to the modern game as much as we can um and so those are the only two nations that were really playing the game the first game outside of uh the british isles was closer to that time frame that you gave. It was in 1902. It was a, a match between Argentina and Uruguay, which is pretty crazy though to think about. 30 years was all it took to get the sport to like travel to Argentina and Uruguay and get to a size where the two like nations could play against each other. A question for you though. Yeah. Between those two games, were they actual like football players or was it like a local dentist and a plumber? Like you know what I mean? Well, they weren't. I don't think they were technically professional at that point. I think it was just the international, like, they just put it together as kind of an amateur thing, like a, an entertainment thing more than it was like a tournament, you know? Okay, yeah, I see. There weren't actually stakes for it. I, I don't know whether they had full club at that point or not. Um, I think it was more of like a gentleman's sport at the time. I don't know if there's this Netflix series <clears throat> that's about like the start of English football. And it's really interesting about how like uh, these two guys from Scotland were super sought after and. Uh, they played for like a mining team. I'll figure out what it is. I'll plug it at the end of this <laughs> podcast, possibly. Maybe not. But if not, you can figure it out. Um, but let's get into kind of that international stage. So again, the first international game outside of the British Isles is in 1902. Um, and that's when kind of people start to realize, oh, this is a global phenomenon. So that's when FIFA or international football in general was kind of founded was in that era. Uh, the Federation Internationale de Football Association. Right. Sorry. Obviously. Wait. Let me do this for you. Fédération Internationale de Football Association. 
Yep, that. Or as we know it, FIFA. Yeah, the good stuff. Was founded in, in 1904 in Paris, and it was made up of the following football organizations. So you know how the FA is in England, kind of the overseeing body. Right. Essentially, France, whatever. Yeah, yeah. FIFA was like the kind of the culmination of all those from uh, but it was from France, Belgium, Germany, Denmark, Netherlands, Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland. So it was mainly EU. There was actually it was only EU. Um didn't really have any South American representation at this point. To be fair, though, in 1904, trying to get a delegate from like Chile to Paris to figure out, yeah. like, you know <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, there's we'll, we'll talk later about it, but that was a huge issue was travel costs in general. Um, it just made it made it much more difficult. But very quickly from 1904, that, that was kind of the period where football started blowing up. Like that was kind of when it started to grow a lot of popularity. So the association quickly was gaining power and, and, and around Europe and around the world in general. Um, so very quickly kind of saw this resurgence. I'd like to say kind of a similar thing that we're having nowadays. This sounds dumb, but this is the only <laughs> sport I could think of when I was writing this was um, we're seeing kind of this similar explosion of pickleball right now. Like everyone plays what? pickleball all of a sudden, bro. Dude, I what swear. is your no? What is your point? I'm just saying, like this—that's kind of the popularity that was happening. Like people were getting really into it, but it's not necessarily seen as like a big deal yet. You know what I mean? I have a, I have a way better one for you along the same vein. Yeah. F1. It was bought by an American media company, like I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and from there they realized that this is like a huge marketing opportunity, and like the budgets have gone way higher, and way more people watch it. Yeah, but I don't care about cars, so I'm going to stick to pickleball. Bro. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so that's the idea. It's essentially that it's not been seen really at this professional level yet, but people are seeing it as kind of – that's why I said pickleball more than F1. It's not really a professional sport at this time. It's I still guess. seen as just kind of like a game, like a very popular game, maybe the same way that golf exploded back in the day. Similar thing where there wasn't really a professional aspect to it. Um, but that kind of changed a little bit in 1908. Uh, the English Footballing Federation, or the FA as we know it, uh, pushed forward like an amateur football match at the Olympics. So it, was, it wasn't even treated to be like an actual competition. It was supposed to be a show. It's just it was like vibes. Olympic Sunday League, bro. It was literally Olympic Sunday League. Yeah, like No one was vibes. professional. It was like, oh, let's get, let's get some people to just play football at the Olympics as like a thing to watch, yeah. entertainment-wise, which is very interesting. It's like, imagine, it's like a halftime show of the Olympics being fo- like a football match, which I'm is too- crazy. I'm 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 curious to find out if there were any like of those people who are like amateurs who went to go play this game. Do you think any of them were like the track runners and stuff like that? I have no idea. I really don't know. Um, that idea of amateur with the Olympics though actually stuck around for a long time, which is interesting. We'll we'll, we'll continue to get into that. But the idea that they didn't really want professionals, like high up professionals, to be playing in this game and kind of wanted to keep it more as a spectacle actually stuck around and is kind of still around today which is cool um but yeah so in 1908 that's when they had that first game at the olympics um but what what really surprised the olympics was how popular that event was they really saw it as just kind of like oh we'll we'll just show it for fun um but again everyone in in europe was loving it uh so it got a lot of popularity and everyone's like oh my god there's a lot of eyes on this so the first professional tournament actually happened somewhere else in europe in 1908 it was called the Sir Thomas Lipton Trophy, and it was hosted for professional clubs from each nation to compete in Turin. So it was like they took the best teams that they knew from every nation and had them go compete in Turin in the Sir Thomas Lipton Trophy. 
Um, so it's just for localized Champions League? Pretty much. But it, it, the competition, even though it was a club competition, it was deemed, quote unquote, the first World Cup uh, because there wasn't really national teams at the time. So the same right. way that the England and Scotland game wasn't technically like the best players from around the country. It was like the best team of England would go and play against the best team of Scotland. So it was kind of like the first World Cup was in 1908, pretty much. Um, but after seeing that popularity uh, in the 1908 Olympics, the Olympic Committee then agreed to implement the amateur event into Summer Olympic program in 1920. So 12 years later, they, were, they said like, oh, we saw how popular it is. We're going to actually put it into the rotation of sports. Um, it was, and that was a true first international football tournament was that Summer Olympics. Um, and so then from then that was kind of what everyone looked forward to in terms of international football was the summer Olympics. Uh, but in 1930, the 1932 summer Olympics was supposed to be held in Los Angeles. And since the U S didn't care about football at the time, uh, they excluded the competition from their program. So FIFA was like, Oh, since no one's going to, since I was going to watch this in the U S we'll just host our own tournament for the people who want to watch soccer. Um, so since Uruguay was already the two-time world champions from the Olympics, uh, FIFA president Jules, I, you might have a better pronunciation. He's a Frenchman. Jules, Jules Remy. Jules Remy. Uh, yeah, decided that Uruguay would be a good place to host the inaugural World Cup. Uh, however, due to Remy's decision to host the World Cup in Uruguay, like the travel was super long and expensive for Euro te European teams to come and play. Um, obviously because it's south america to right. europe you hop so like a steamboat, like <laughs> yeah exactly so until like two months before the tournament there was actually no european teams that were like yes we're in you know <laughs> so it, it was two months beforehand and then they actually got they got five european teams to come play uh it was yugoslavia belgium france hungary and romania really which is super Cup. interesting that's what i mean though like think about that that's like eastern europe and France and Belgium were like the only people from Europe to come. Not even, not even England went. Or like I mean, the I, places that started the sport. I'm not entirely surprised that France and Belgium went, considering they also like started FIFA. And this is literally their thing. Yeah. Right. You'd but hope that the, the president of FIFA, being from France, would be able to convince his home country. Yeah, exactly. I'm play. surprised that like some Donnies from Romania were like, you know what, steamboat to Uruguay. I'm down. I just. At this time, though, I'm pretty sure that the, the Eastern European nations were, like, the best in the world. Like, this was Puskas' era, I'm pretty sure. And, like, he was, like, the greatest to ever play the sport, you know? Yeah, that's fair. So I think they, they saw this tournament as their opportunity to kind of cement themselves as, as big names in world football. Because, to be fair, it's a new tournament that no one really cared about. No one thought about, really, was the World Cup. Because everyone thought about the Olympics as the big thing at the time. Right, if you give a call um, early, whatever, like, yeah, that's your point. Yeah, exactly. So th that inaugural tournament in 1932 uh, had a total of 13 teams with Uruguay. Oh, sorry, it was 1930 that it was hosted, not 1932. 1930, the, it was hosted in Uruguay, and Uruguay actually won the tournament uh, after beating Argentina 4-2, which is pretty funny to, to give the hosts the win, you know what I mean? Of course. Um, but then the kind of World Cup continued after they saw the success of it. Uh, it was then hosted in Italy in 1934, which Italy won. And in uh, 1938 in France, which Italy won again. So Italy won back to back from uh, 34 and 38. So those were kind of the first couple World Cups. Um, but then we'll get into 
what kind of the modern era. I wouldn't the want to say the stuff. modern era. This is when this is when things kind of switched. Um, was at the 1942 World Cup and kind of the World War effect on FIFA. Uh, so Germany was actually set to host the 1942 World Cup um, after their ex- bid was accepted to host in 1936. However, World War broke out in 1939, which made FIFA cancel the tournament, obviously. Um, and the, world was, the war was actually really hard on FIFA. It was barely able to stay afloat. Um, the war ended in 1945, and, and FIFA had no time to create the 1946 World Cup which meant that the competition resumed in 1950. So there's actually eight years uh, lost out of the World Cup due to war, um, which is kind of interesting just to know that like, that, that had a big... I mean, it's obvious, but at the same time, it's like, oh, this idea that Qatar now being in the winter is being such a big thing. is like, no, we've actually had to cancel World Cups before, you know? Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I feel like the circumstances were a little... Yes, you know, I will like, say it's a little different now versus then. But the idea uh, that the like in the heart of World War II, everyone's like, "Hey, you know what? <laughs> like, let's go play some yeah. footy real quick." Yeah, which is actually I was gonna put this in here that you know the story of of the Christmas Day, um, yeah, 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 in the World War. What, what was it? East Germany and West Germany that were doing it, or was it Germany no, and what, France? No, I want to say it was Germany and France actually. Okay, yeah. Well, for those who don't know, on Christmas Day in the World War, apparently. Um, <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. On Christmas Day, the two soldiers came out of their bunkers and had like a day of truce in, in which they played like a big football match on the battlefield. And like they shared wine, they like ate together, things like that. And then the next day they just went back to their camps and resumed fighting. <laughs> which again, is, it's a testament to how, how massive this sport is and how big the World Cup is in terms of uniting cultures. Um, Oscar, I know you kind of want to get into to how from then it's continued to be just this major pinnacle of, of uniting nations together. I, dude, the, I, I have a whole thing later on about the effects of a World Cup, but oh my God, yeah. if my time is now, I'm ready for this. <laughs> okay, so after the World Cup continued again in 1950, uh, it was hosted in Brazil and okay. a, a bunch of things happened, but long story short, the only two things that were important, the final was Brazil versus Uruguay. Oh, that's a big was, final back then, too. It was held at Americana, which could see 100,000 people. 200,000 showed up, and Brazil lost. Oh, my God. National tragedy. Everyone is upset. People are, like, literally crying on the streets. Like, you can, you can, you can envision. Right? Was this Pele era? This was, was just it? before Pele era. This was, like, two tournaments before Pele. Okay, but okay. So, Uruguay but this is the one where, like, it, I don't know if you've ever watched his documentary. This is the one that he like gets super uh, inspired by. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it is. Like, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because he has like a whole thing about how he like hated to see his country lose, and yeah, no, you're yeah. right. But so yeah, Brazil lose national tragedy. Another funny story that came out of this: uh, the U.S. actually showed up to this World Cup, and mm. the Americans cared so little about football or understood so little about the game. They managed to draw in the group stage against England 1-1. The New York Times then published a headline. I'm not joking. USA beat England 1-1. Yes, sir. Really, really the good stuff. I mean, that's basically all I was able to find from the 1950 World Cup. It was in the 50s. Like, people weren't really documenting anything. They didn't, like, understand formations. You know, what'd you expect? Uh, 1954 World Cup, I wasn't able to find anything too interesting either. 1958, though. So, 
to give you some context, my father is a very old, adorable Frenchman called Michel, and this was the first World Cup that he watched and like actively followed. Effectively, wait, my wait, equivalent. Wait, wait, pause. Yeah. Your dad followed the 19... 1958 World Cup. He was born in 1946. Bro, your dad was a war baby? My dad was uh, was born nine months almost of a day after the end of the Second World War. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's old. That's he's crazy. nice. He's sweet. Whatever. Point is, That's 1950. That is nuts. Yeah, right? He looks good, too, for 76. I mean, he does, seen. bro. I Yeah, yeah. I can't believe he's 76. I thought he was like 65. No, nah, bro. He's, he's balling out. Point is, oh, this was his version. This was his equivalent to my Brazil. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's told me the story a hundred times about this one guy he like idolizes from his youth called Jus Fontaine, who was a French player who played for, for those who are American. Uh, it's, it's spelled just Fontaine. Yeah. So he was <laughs> like probably the best club player in the world at that point. He played yeah. for Reem and they went to the Champions League final twice in the span of like three years of him being there. They oh lost both to Real, but like my guy was an absolute unit. Yeah. So 1958 World Cup rocks around. It's held in Sweden. And yes. the national oh manager, my. bro, listen to this. The national manager of France is so pessimistic about the World Cup. He looks at his players and goes, we're going to get knocked out in the groups. Bring like two jerseys. Don't worry about it. So they go and it's 1958. So they like, they don't literally walk, but like they take like taxis to Sweden from France, right? Like it's a whole yeah. thing. They rock up, first game, my guy just realizes he forgot his cleats. So he borrows his he borrows cleats from his homie that were like two sizes up. Sunday over, the league, course, <laughs> over the course of six games, he scores 13 goals, four of which in one game against West Germany. West Germany was like a powerhouse at the time, I'm pretty yeah, sure. West right? They were really good. Stupid. West Germany was insane. Yeah. To this day, he holds a record for the most goals scored in one World Cup. I mean, bro, that's 13, so sick. Six games. Yeah. That's Holland numbers. <laughs> like, that's just, it's right? so stupid that we have a player that we can compare that to and it not be like an actual myth. You know what I mean? That we yeah, can say, right? oh, 13 and six is Holland numbers. And it's not like that is God numbers. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, though, that is crazy. Tragically, my brethren, France did lose to. They uh, did the Brazilians in the semifinals and this little yeah. kid called Pele or whatever. I'll get into him in a second. Uh, eventually final rocks around Sweden, uh, Sweden versus Brazil. The Swedish tragically lose Brazil. I'm so World sad, bro. I know. So it's devastating, sad. honestly. But so talking about this little, this little kid from Brazil, uh, he rocked up to this world cup at 17 and like rinsed everybody. <laughs> like literally like people didn't understand the concept of a step over. So this guy oh, would yeah. move slightly to the right and like the whole team would get sent left. It was insane. Bro, this so, was yeah, like, you know how, you know how we say nowadays, like, oh, the game is so beautiful then or yeah. like now versus then this like 20 year period between like the late fifties and late, late set, like I'd say early seventies when people were figuring out how to play this sport. I think it's almost more beautiful because like the simplest things that we look at nowadays is like. Oh yeah, that's commonplace. We're like revolutionary. You know what Have I mean? Have you seen that one clip of like some defender when Cruyff realized he could Cruyff turn getting sent like eight yards in the wrong direction? Yes, bro. And my favorite is looking at like old Netherlands styles where they was like the gag and press was created. 
Yeah. Where they literally just they just pressed everything like with eleven dudes, and the guys didn't know what to do. No, it was uh, you know tactics were crazy back then. I mean, like tactics we'll get into so some sick. other week. Dude, the yeah. fact people used to rock up in like a one one eight and think it would work. Yes, was bro. Insane. No, and it did work. <laughs> no, I know, but like the fact that no one was like, "Yo, maybe if we have more defenders, right? We stop conceding." Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about tactics another time, but keep going yeah. about uh, Pele. Yeah. So Pele, I mean, uh, we all know Pele. If this dude keeps upping when he scored in his Instagram bio, he doesn't want to give a record to Ronaldo, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, he won three. What does he have it at now? 12, yeah, 30, like 12, something. 76 or something, which like <laughs> yeah. it was at 900 two years ago. And he's now like 85. I don't really know how it keeps going up by 300 every few years, but oh, well. Let the, so, let the man be senile. He's won three World Cups, right? <laughs> the goat. Yeah. 1958, 1962, and 1970. Would you say he is the greatest World Cup player ever? Oh, surely. 100%. Bro, he, he carried an entire nation on his back at the age that Americans get to drive a car. See, I would agree with you. And I'm going to sound like Finn for this one. We're yet to see what the LeBron James of soccer can do in Qatar. Oh no, that is true. I do think that Pulisic has a higher ceiling <laughs> to be able to carry America to four world cups in a row. I agree. Um, I'm with you, honestly. He's only 26 right now, too. By that time, he'll be what? Yeah, he's, he's pretty much he's pretty much a baby, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, he'll be 42 by the time he wins his fourth World Cup. Hey, he know where this goes Zlatan around? did it. Who says I, LeBron uh, yeah. couldn't? You know, That's LeBron's almost 40. So if he that, truly yeah. is a LeBron James of soccer, he's got a long career left in him, you know? You know, you bring up a valid point. I did not consider that. But anyway, <laughs> moving on from the LeBron James and Pele. The next relevant World Cup in 1966, England's hosted in England. England win. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of things happened. They, I found out after like making notes for this, they literally lost the trophy. Oh, like physically it's gone? Like the trophy, like it was, it was set up in London. And then like four days prior to the final, someone walked into the room and went, oh damn, it's no longer here. So they got like dogs to sniff out for gold around London and found it like a day before the final or something. Wait, what? Yeah, like they some dude Is just it like in the Thames somewhere just No, like some dude just like nabbed the trophy and like put it under a bush. That's kind of lit just hide and go seek with the, the World Cup trophy. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, that's insane. The, the only game that was relevant in this World Cup, England <laughs> versus Germany in the final. To paint the scene, yeah. it's it's London, right? England are up two. Is this the first one at? Isn't this what Wembley was built for? This one. I think this. Yeah. No. I, I'm pretty sure Wembley might have been. No, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Is, you're in London. England are up two one. 89th minute. Germany scored. Make it two two. Send into uh, extra time. Oh, right. by the way, I am so far from correct. How I so? So it it was built in 2007. Oh, nice. Good. <laughs> So close, yeah, close, close you're only about 41 years off but you know good effort uh but yeah so 2-2 send it to extra time everyone's stressing i mean you can you can imagine world cup final send it to extra time you're at home playing in front of your people the, literally the yeah, queen yeah, yeah. is watching you like big stress this guy who i think was called gregory hurst if i'm not mistaken um yeah yeah so, sorry jeffrey hurst shoots mm -hmm from like right outside the six yard box on the right side 
hits the bar. It's a little contentious. We don't really have goal line technology. The English run back to the half and go, nah, nah, we scored. Don't worry about it. Obviously, the Germans and the French and like anyone else who did not want to see the English win went literally no shot. This ball did not go over the line. The yeah. ref still gives it to them. They're up 3 2. They score another one, 4 2. They win. The Queen hands them a trophy, whatever. That's hype. It was I fouled. do think that that, that no. photo of Bobby Moore is super tough, though, with the trophy. There, yeah, no, there are like, I mean, like, fairy tale story, whatever. England won. Like, congratulations, so on and so forth. In 2017, some dude at FIFA made like the most accurate like recreation of this event ever. The ball did not cross the line. Had they had goal line tech, England would not have a star. Well, no, they scored another one though. Well, see, but the thing is, like, the momentum of the game wouldn't have been there, and like, we don't know if they would have scored another one. So, like, really, European culture. Yeah, I'm just saying. But I mean, yeah, that's about it for the 1966 World Cup. Mm-hmm. A bunch of others happened. Germany won a few, like Italy won one or something, whatever. The next relevant one, 1986. World Cup semifinal. Argentina <laughs> versus England. Context, yep. height of a Falkland war. Already, these two people are beefing. They're not, they're not super homes. They don't really like seeing each other. Yeah. There's this little dwarf. Hey, hey, respect the goat. He may or may not have been... Uh, on cocaine during this gonna, exact yeah. game. I was going to say sniffing illicit things that he probably should not have been sniffing before World Cup semifinal, but yeah. Point is, yeah. he's he's a very short man. I think he he was what, like 5'5", five, 5'4", five, five, something like that. 5'7", I think. Like, no way. No way. 5'5", 5'5", 5'5". He's a little man, right? He's a little man. And admittedly, he's very good. He's very nimble. He's very quick on his feet. Great dribbler, you can imagine. He somehow ends up in a situation against David Seaman, who is a tall man. I believe he stands at six foot four. And again, they didn't have VAR or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And by what can only be explained as divine intervention, wins (laughs) an aerial duel with a man almost a foot taller than him. No, not almost. Literally a foot taller than him. This moment to be fair, to, be fair to Maradona, though, he makes it look like a header. Like, if you watch it back in, in real time, it looks like he wins the header. See, I agree, but there's also a picture of his fist yes, making no, contact no. with the ball. That's, that's what I mean, though. In real time is what I'm saying. Uh, I, I it mean, doesn't I... look that sus. Sure. But... I guess. Point you know is... they made an NFT of it? I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely not surprised. Point oh, is, no. Maradona does some little sus things, perhaps, that maybe he shouldn't have done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> England lose a game. And yep. Argentina uh, end up winning that World Cup. They did. Yeah. with Maradona. In 1994, World Cup hosted in the US, but I'll get more into in a second. He scored against like some... I don't remember who it was, but it was someone not phenomenal in the group stage. Yeah. Uh, at which point, you know, you score a goal, you want to celebrate. He runs directly towards the camera that is currently broadcasting him and uh, looks feral and rabies infested is the best way I can describe it. If you see the picture, like his eyes are rolled back into his head and I've never seen a jaw open that wide on a human. Like it's, it's honestly horrifying. 
Yeah. Point is, they see this, and some dude at FIFA goes, "Hey, yo, uh, that's not really like normal human behavior. How about you go piss in a cup real quick and we look at it?" So he goes and does that, and uh, turns out he was in fact doping, and he got kicked out of the world. Yeah. He then later became a manager of Argentina. Uh, for the 2010 World Cup, and they didn't exactly do great. They made it out of a group, but I looked at a group that had like Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and like, like Korea or something. Like it was yeah. not like a like if you don't make it out of that group, like bro, come on. Uh, they eventually lose to Germany four 0 in the quarters, and that was that's essentially a wrap on Maradona and the World Cup. However, yeah, going, going he back is to he is an icon of the World Cup, Cup though. I was just he gonna is, say he's an icon, but he's also a dirty little cheating scumbag. But I, I'm with it. <laughs> Sticking to the 1994 World Cup, hosted in our beautiful home, the United States, yeah, uh, it was ungodly hot, like genuine <laughs> heat stroke. Problematic. I don't know how the players agreed to come to this event hot, right? Yeah, there wasn't that much. There were a few highlights in here, but the only one that I really want to point out is Brazil won their fourth World Cup uh, after Roberto Baggio missed a penalty. So yeah, I, I, remember I don't remember it, but <laughs> you remember it in 1994? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If anyone's Italian, hold that. You suck. Also, Bulgaria got fourth at this tournament. <laughs> Bro, this is what I mean. The Eastern Europeans, like, I think generationally might have some of the best players, like individuals. Yeah. Stoichkov, like, literally carried a nation to fourth yes, in the yeah. World Cup. It was insane. Also, another someone you wouldn't expect ireland went absolutely stupid in this world cup admittedly yeah. by stupid i mean they barely made it out of a group and then got knocked out first round but like for ireland it's still impressive they beat it italy impressive. who then you know made it to the final eventually they lost whatever but what i found interesting in all this after they made it out of a group roy Keane started beefing with a manager and basically said yo your tactics suck if only we did it this way we would win the Irish yeah. manager looked at him and said, eat shit and die. And he got sent on a plane back to Dublin and they lost the next game and they all went home to Dublin. That's actually terrible. Right? He then got sacked like two days later. Yeah, yeah. But sure. So the next World Cup, 1998 in France. Again, a lot of things happened, but there's one like, uh, there's one thing people know this World Cup. It's a warm night in Paris in 1998. France is playing Brazil, and there's this dude with one of the worst trims possibly ever conceived, who is or, coming off a of Ballon d'Or. Or, or is no. it one of the best trims ever conceived? I'm not even validating your comments. Point is, this little man who may or may not be missing an ACL two thirds. He is not. He is not little. He's not he's little. Very, he's he's very, very large. large. <laughs> this man who doesn't really have a left kneecap. Yeah. Is. Probably uncontested, but best player in the world at this point. I'm pretty sure he's 100%. off back-to-back Ballon d'Ors. World yeah. Cup final rocks around. France, host country, versus Brazil, who have just come up with a victory, who also have, like, one of the stupidest squads you could imagine. Rivaldo, Ronaldo. Like, it's, it's set in to be a good game. Yeah. About six hours before the game starts, the team sheets come out, and people notice that Ronaldo isn't listed on here, which is a little strange, considering that, you know, he's probably uncontested the best player in the world and why would you not want that for the most important game in the world and so like rumors start like scoping around and i called my parents because they lived in paris at the time and went to this game 
and I was like, oh, like what were people saying? Like was a reason why he didn't go. And there were some crazy ones. Like obviously there's all the like, oh, he got like too drunk the night before, he's too hungover, whatever, fitness issue. Yeah. But apparently people were also trying to say that he like had sex with the Brazilian manager's daughter and out of pity and resentment, he wasn't like crazy stuff. Like insane rumors circulating. It's nuts. Point is everyone's losing their mind. And eventually, like two hours before the game, they update the team sheets and is in. So oh. they play. Brazil get absolutely slapped up. 3-0 loss to France. Like it's it's not even close. Right. And so people are like, yo, what happens? Like Ronaldo did not play well. Like, I don't what the hell happened to this dude? Yeah. Comes out years later. Uh Roberto Carlos said in an interview that he was like rooming with him the night before, and he woke up that morning to Ronaldo having a seizure in his bed. So they yeah. call in the team doctor and they're like, yo, like what the hell is happening? And so they get him cleared and he's fine after, but like you obviously don't want to take the risk of your player like having cardiac arrest on the pitch. So we're debating do we play him? Do we play him? Never really explained what pushed him over the edge to have him actually play. And there's a ton of conspiracies that like a Nike sponsorship was going to fall through if he didn't play and like whatever else. But point is, he rocks up, they get absolutely destroyed, and France win their first World Cup. That is crazy. You know, to kind of build on this, I've I've heard conspiracies online. Um, I think he talked about it in one of like his uh, like a recent video or documentary that came out. Um, apparently, he might have had an anxiety attack. That was like what actually happened, and they weren't sure at the time what it was because like the medicine for for like mental health hadn't gotten that high yet. But apparently, he might have had an anxiety attack the day prior instead of a seizure. But they called it a seizure because that's what they thought it was. Um, Fair. But even then, like, th- we, we do say that, like, Brazil's team was stupid, but we also have to, that was, I just looked it up right now. Oh, that year was 11? the year that, yeah, the French 11 is also absolutely oh, dumb. Dude, I know. I, I, oh like my Zidane, God. I Zid- it was, it was Ballon d'Or, it was Ballon d'Or Zidane at that point was yeah. at France. And then they also had Marcel Desailly. And yeah, young Thierry Henry. Yeah, Turum, like Fabian Bart, like we, yeah, no, we, just a lot of players. We so that that game would have been crazy if if R nine is at full health. I will say though, I have I'm gonna I'm gonna give you about half of a, but I'll finish once we get to the 2010 World Cup. Okay. But I have a theory, and this one is gonna require some explaining, but bear with me. I think the level of racism and xenophobia in France is directly correlated to how the national football team does. Okay, wait, 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 let's break down that sentence. Are you saying that the more racist France is, the better France does? No, the better France does, the less racist France is. Oh, okay. From what you, the way you put it around makes it seem like the more racist France is, the better (laughs) France does. No, no, the better we do, the less we hate our own people. Got it, got right. it. So it's not correlated. It is, it's it is contra, cor- yeah, inversely correlated. Got yes. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let me explain. After we win uh, the World Cup, apparently, my parents were telling me they lived in Paris at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, w- people went absolutely like dummy, stupid, ape shit hard after. Oh, yeah. Like, 
genuinely like three days like property damage through the roof people were drunk at two in the morning and did not stop being drunk until six days later like you like the biggest national rager you can imagine that's the dream but so, baby after that effectively the unofficial french national motto became noir blanc bleu which means like black white arab to signify like unity whatever because Zidane uh, came from Algerian parents, Thierry Henry's black. Like you can imagine, it's like to yeah, yeah, represent yeah. that everyone's included, so on and so forth. And so I'll leave you with this right now, and I'll pick this up after. In the meantime, 2006 World Cup. Mm-hmm. There's one event I'm going to talk to, which I'm sure you can imagine, but I'll get to that in a second. In the meantime, yep. there was a game <laughs> between Portugal and the Netherlands. Oh my God, I remember this game. Portugal wins 1-0, which like doesn't seem okay, whatever. I think it's for round of 16 at this point. Was CR7? He was this is his he first no. no, no, he This was is there. his first yeah, this is his first year with them, I think. Yeah. First tournament. So Portugal win 1-0 over the Dutch, which again you would not assume is much. In this game, 16 cards were distributed, four of which were reds. Which means that on average, there was a card every five minutes and 37 seconds. That's disgusting. That's this the way football should be now, played, baby. This game has now been dubbed the Battle of Nuremberg. And I can Wait, imagine. 2006 why. was in Germany? It was in Germany. Okay, okay. It was in Germany. Yeah, because it's the same year Ronaldo did the wink. Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, whole thing. But, oh, dude, okay. It pains me. It really, really does. <laughs> but, again, let me set the stage. It's a warm night in Berlin in the middle of July. Yeah. World Cup final, 70,000 people. Right? France versus Italy. France, who on paper have like one of the best teams we've ever had. And one of the I best think that's the best French, French team of all time. Yeah, that's honestly, that's fair. Italy, on the other side... Paolo Maldini, Gattuso, and like both that was teams. Prime AC Milan, right? If to give people an equivalent, I don't know how many people with, but this is basically like you rock up and you play classic eleven versus soccer eleven in FIFA seventeen. Like this is the absolute it's pinnacle of disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's heinous how good this, this had. Is. This had this game had like classic written all over it. Oh, absolutely. You know? So, for the record, at this point, I'm like three and a few months old. So, I like, I, I vaguely remember this live. But, game starts. I mean, it's a World Cup final. What are you expecting? People are playing defensive, whatever. Nine minutes in, we win a penalty. France win a penalty. Zidane, Panenka off the bar. Beautiful penalty. Goes in. About oh, 10, dude. The ball dude, that is actually crazy. Oh, insane. To open the World Cup final, like you're you're crazy. The yeah. Point is one of like this dude, phenomenal penalty taker, right? Really mistaken mm-hmm. on that one. About 10, 15 minutes later, I think Marco Materazzi uh, scores a header off a corner. It's one one. Stays like that up until extra time. At which point goes to extra time. Like we're starting to get like a little rowdy, but like you know, it's nothing. It's nothing too bad yet. There's a few yellows yeah, that yeah. hung around, but like you know, it's World Cup final. Emotions are high. It's to be expected. And it's and it's a highly defensive game all the time. It's exactly. Cool. Yeah. The 119th minute walks, and mm. 
it's never it's never been fully explained what was said but the working theory is that marco materazzi goes up to zidane as basically everyone's getting ready to go take penalties to decide who wins the world cup and says something i think actually zidane initiated it i think zidane like looked at materazzi because they were he was like hugging him in a corner or something and he goes if you want my shirt so bad i'll give it to you after the game and Materazzi then said something about like, oh, I'd rather take your sister's shirt. Yeah. At which point this bald fucking idiot goes, <laughs> okay, this is literally the last game of football I will ever be playing. It's the World Cup final. I already scored a penalty here. We're about to go to Penns. Let me... Dad, wait, didn't he announce his retirement? He announced his retirement before this game, right? Yeah, that was the last game he was ever going to play. Yeah. Ballon d'Or winner, Galactico, like unequivocal baller yeah this dude with like 14 seconds until he's gonna go take spot kits for france decides to headbutt Marderazzi. obviously immediate yeah. red card everyone's fuming i remember my dad looking at my mom and going god damn what a fucking idiot uh-huh. france lose on penalties because now we rock up with center backs taking our third spot kit instead of fucking zidane anyway i was a little mad as I'm sure you can imagine, I'm definitely not salty about it. And that was a 2006 Three years old, just absolutely throwing your pram everywhere. Just Yeah, and I no longer want to talk about this. So, 2010, right? Yeah. <laughs> Again, as I said earlier, well, like, the first World Cup, I decently remember a lot of. Like, South Africa, right? South Africa, indeed. Uh, that yeah. was a big thing, too, because it was the first one hosted in Africa. And it was yeah. 80% of the marketing. Waka Waka dropped for this World Cup. Absolute banger. Shout out Shakira, even though she's going to the pen right now is she and so yeah she got eight years for tax evasion in spain oh what if she just never goes back to spain though oh no she lives in spain she like has kids in spain she just doesn't go back though hey loki pk up by the way he's up right now pk is up pk was with her and then did her like three months before she started having like child hearings he probably knew that's what i'm saying pk up True. Point is, for me, there were only a few things that were very, very memorable. Uh, firstly, mm. Luis Suarez doing his best goalkeeper impression. That was so elite. Oh that my was, god, that was so elite. Dude, the things you do for your country. I hate that man so much, and I rate him so highly for that. The, the, I mean, okay. Let, let, thing, just explain it. Explain it to the people who don't know. Okay. It's like the 118th minute or something. Ghana, who is the last remaining African country and the only World Cup to be hosted in Africa so far, are in, I think, the quarterfinals. Right? Yes, and eight, eight the, left, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this is, the, this is the furthest any African country has gone like by a good distance. And the idea of them making it to the semis is like insane. And everyone's rooting for Ghana. Underdog story, you can imagine. Again, like 118th. There's a corner and like it's getting scrappy inside the box, whatever. Uh, Muslera gets caught off his line, the goalkeeper for Y. And so <laughs> the poor Ghanaian striker goes to shoot on practically an open net. Luis Suarez is sitting on the line and like literally just fists the ball out of a goal. Like, straight- no, and to be fair. It was a fantastic reaction save. It was a great save. He is not like if you if you if you put gloves on him, that's like fantastic save. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like this man, he, he clutched it for his country. Yeah. Point is, everyone's fuming. Everyone's like, "Yo, what? Like, what is this dude doing?" Suarez gets sent off. Ghana get a penalty. 
It's like 119th and 30 seconds. And he dings the bar. <laughs> Bro. Ghana out. So elite. So elite. Uh, right? Unbelievable. Actually, I remember unbelievable. the clip of him afterwards when he's like walking to the tunnel. Dude. And the, he, uh. The clip of Suarez, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. This and he's walking was... to the tunnel watching the penalty. And he just celebrates as they put it off the bar. Dude, I, honestly, a, a top tier shithousery. Like, yeah, un- I remember he, he was he was crying when he left the pitch, and then he was super gassed about it. Yeah, um, because Ghana right. missed the penalty, and then it went to pens, right? And they won. Yeah, it went to pens, and Ghana, Ghana lost. I mean, yeah. to be fair, you got like Diego Forlan, like, a, you know, what I mean, a very good Uruguay team. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, that was that was the first. Also, another story that people uh, forget about. My people, France, in <laughs> yeah. in typical French manner. Uh, quite literally went on strike. Yeah. So, to explain. Wait, what, why? Why? So, there was some beef between Nicholas and Alka, and uh, I think it was Deshaun at the time. Point mm-hmm. is, beef between player and manager, player gets sent home, the rest of the team goes, nah, we're backing our boy. They literally don't leave the team bus. Like, they don't go to trading, they say, ah, fuck it, we buy. Uh, I'm... I think we barely scraped out of a group and then got knocked out in the first round. Wow. At which point, I will now drop the second half of my theory. Right? Mm-hmm. You remember how earlier I was saying everyone was raging in Paris because we won the World Cup and it was a great time and oh, but like whatever, all that stuff? Yeah. People land off the plane and like immediately French media, who are these fucking Algerians who don't want to play for us? Like it's insane. The level of slander and xenophobia coming out of like the press in France is genuinely unmatched and I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. So anyway, that's my I, theory. No, I, I think that's a valid theory. I think it happens in a lot of places too. Like the second that happens in England as well. The second someone who's not like a stereotypical English looking person, they instantly get the blame whenever England does something bad. You know? Yeah, I mean probably we saw it at the Euros. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like yeah, it's not I mean... Sokka's fault that other people also miss their pens. Like, Dude, he's also an 18 year old child who's gonna like carry the weight of of England. High key, that's Gareth Southgate's fault for being just racist. Like, oh, no, he literally absolutely. put the three young, like the three young black English people, no, absolutely. just to go and take the final pens. It's just like, yeah, you guys take them, figure it out. <laughs> I mean, anyway, that's my, Anyways, that's my yeah. hypothesis. Yeah, I like that hypothesis. The other... No, I don't like it. Sorry, I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like that it's a thing, but it, I think it is true. An interesting point. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, uh, the last thing really I want to bring up to you for this World Cup. So, Robbie's been spouting about this for years at this point. Would you say that this main team in 2010 was the best international team ever? Yes, 100%. Would you say it was the best team ever, um, club included? No. No, I would not. Who's better? Other than the U.S. 2022 yeah, sorry, of course. I mean, you took it right off my nail. Also, you know who else you have to exclude is obviously 2022 Everton. Um, uh, naturally, yeah. Naturally. 2019 Arsenal as well? Oh, we were good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, sure. I think the 2016 Real Madrid, or 20, yeah, 2016 Real Madrid, the 2009-2010 Barcelona, and... 2004 Arsenal. 
Mm, debatably, yeah, 2004 Arsenal should, could be. I think, no, it was not the Invincible one. The one, 2006, I think you guys were better. Was that the one that you, I think you were better in? I think 2002, it was. 2002, we were stupid. Oh, yeah, sorry. I meant the two, I, the later of the two stupid teams I thought was better for Arsenal. But I still think that the 2009-2010 and the 2016 Real Madrid are still better than the Arsenal. That's fair. I think this Spain team f- fits right underneath those ones because I think that on every other measure, those two teams compete with Spain, but you have Messi and Ronaldo put on top of it. Right. But so, okay. You know. Then internationally, would you say so? Oh, internationally for sure. Maybe, just, maybe the Brazil team that won the three World, World Cups, but again, it's hard to do those those translations of skill. right. I mean, like seventy years. How are you going to compare that? Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, think that Iniesta in that tournament in the twenty ten tournament was the best player maybe to ever play in a World Cup. I mean, valid. I'll, I'll give it to you. I will say though, interestingly enough, uh, Thomas Muller actually got the best young player tournaments. What? How old was he then? He was like 21. That's fair enough. I mean, he is actually, he still is unreal. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so good. But I mean, when you consider that like, I don't know, Biscuits was like 23, you had like PK at like 22 and whatever. Like, yeah. more to get it, especially considering they got knocked out in like, I think. Well, clearly, he must have stood out against the rest of the team. I think that's the issue with the Spain team is that it was so good as a team that no one person could get pulled down and say this is the reason they're so good you know what i mean yeah that's fair that's fair. which oh, is why I they couldn't be like oh and yes says the best young player because it's like well, no because he has Xavi like next to at that point already so no 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 he was 26 <laughs> or 27 yeah. i think right i will say one last thing i want to mention uh from this world cup just in case robbie list frank lampard goal should not have gone in there oh no it should have it definitely should nope. have disagree firm firm nope. disagree 100% should have definitely counted. I uh, uh, love you, Frank. Moving Just, on. He's, he's going to get sacked next week, so doesn't matter. He's, he's so gone. He's uh, so 2014 gone. World Cup. Yeah. The GOAT. Now, uh, I was going to say, we were talking about this earlier, very fun. Yeah. Do you think, for you at least, this is the best World Cup? Well, I mean, yes. Yes. For me. I mean, I would say that the whatever it was, the 1940 or whatever, when, or 1958, when Sweden almost won, that's pretty sick. Fair. Um, but no, I did not watch that, unfortunately. Shocking. Uh, so I think that in terms of entertainment value, this was the best World Cup. I think the best games in the World Cup ever happened in this, in this World Cup. I agree with you. And, and so, moments and everything. Just to, exactly, just to feed you a little bit, kind of give you a free sample. Crack, right? Please do. I have my world. eyes. I have my eyes closed, and I'm putting my head back to just remember the greatness of this time. Right. There's a little Colombian kid. He's like 20 or something. He plays from Monaco. Yeah, yeah. Brody chest the ball at the halfway circle. No, okay, no, that's not. No, what it happened, was not but... the halfway circle. It was like <laughs> it was. It was, like, it was on the top of the D. Yeah, it was like yeah, yeah. Chest the ball. Little quick turn, right foot, boom, top left. It was oh. left foot. It was left foot off of his right shoulder. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, off yeah, his right yeah. shoulder. He tracks it with his eyes all the way down as it falls onto his left foot, and he comes across the back of it like Roberto Carlos a little bit. 
off the volley. Big Dipper Ruski. And that was the moment that he said, you know what? I want to play for Everton football clubs. <laughs> and I went into the back of the net. Dude, I will say, it's insane that that goal alone got him a transfer to Real. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's, that's crazy. Don Carlos saw that and said, I need him. No, I mean, valid, honestly. It worked out. And then he brought him with him and won everything with Carlo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just free road with Carlo. I mean, I uh, got to make it somehow. Yeah. But also, the next one. Personally, for me, I think this was my favorite. Movie. Right. For context, when I was yeah. watching this game, I was watching it with my parents. And my eldest brother, who didn't live at home anymore, was watching it off a very legal and definitely not illicit Russian website that was like restreaming it out of a basement in Siberia. Right. Yeah. So he was like 90 seconds, two minutes behind. Mm-hmm. Um, World Cup semifinal. It's hosted in Belo Horizonte. We got Germany and Brazil. Two you wanna, do you want to explain your allegiance at all here? Oh, yeah, fair. So I was born in France to a French father and a German mother, right? Yeah. In France, we like, I think we barely made it out of a group, but it wasn't, it wasn't glorious, whatever. This was so during this the point, sex scandal. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, this was, this was peak Kareem Benzema is not making the team. You're yeah. right. Uh, point is, at this point, I'm fully German, right? France could not care less. I was watching this game in France in itself. Literally don't care. Game ich starts. Bin Deutsch. Deutsch, Deutschland, Deutschland, über alles. Ach, ganz kurz, mein Freund. Whatever, you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, they walk out. And like, you know, first 10 minutes, whatever. And then Germany score one. Oh, cool. Right, perfect. Whatever. Just so want to say, by the way, yeah. this is one of the best midfield performances in world football by Tony Cruz. Just putting it out there. I mean, that's right. I'll give you that. So Germany scored one, and we're like, okay, cool. So my mom texts my brother. Goes, oh, Germany scored, and he goes, haha, shut up. I'm a little behind. Right. And then like five minutes later, Germany score again. And then my mom goes, lol, Germany scored again. And then same thing, lol, I'm a little behind. Please stop. And then Germany score again. And so the same thing. My mom is pestering my brother and goes, lol, you won't imagine. My brother literally blocks my mom on every communication platform for the next six weeks. <laughs> like, drops contact with his mother. So anyway, at this point, Germany's up 3-0, and we're like 26 minutes in. Germany score two more times before the half's over. Clearly, at some point, Joachim Lowe saw, like, the old Brazilian grandparents crying in the crowd and said, all right, bro, like, dog, we gotta, like, they're gonna kill themselves. Like, we gotta chill. Like, this is not gonna end well. Yeah. So, it's 5-0 going into half, and, like, I swear, as a little 11-year-old child, I was able to see them just being like, okay, like, we're gonna tap it in, we're not gonna... Yeah. Except for one dude. Andre Shirley gets subbed in in like the 60th minute, scores in the 66th and like the 72nd. This guy did not yeah. get the memo and fuck it, we ball and went and bagged another two. At which point, it's 7-0. World Cup semifinal. Like, I think it's like 40% of a stadium has like left. People are like crying on Brazilian national television. Yeah, There's bro. a picture of a dude like holding the World Cup in tears. Like, it's, yeah. it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Eventually, Brazil did get one with my fellow namesake, Oscar. He scored in like the 89th and people uh, forgot about their worries and everyone was happy in to come. Yeah. I'm joking. Like little national depression. Like people like didn't leave their house like the GDP Bro. 10% or something. It was insane. 
for that to happen in the host country is just terrible. Semi-final as well. Yeah. Yeah. I so will sad. say though, admittedly, Brazil did not have Neymar in this game. Uh because yeah. the back injury, right? Someone like broke his spine. I don't remember who it, I want to say it was Giroud, actually. Yeah, I think it was. I'm pretty sure Giroud, it was a like, center back. It was a center back. The point is, someone like broke his spine, so he uh he was. But regardless, I mean, Neymar is also not a center back. For the record, David yeah. Luiz, this was the moment that I looked at this. Uh, not my center back. And you said, I want him to play for the <laughs> Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, and I say, like, 23 minutes, concede a pen and a red. That's what I need. Uh, oh, but they is, were, this is when he won, he was in the team of the year this year, right? Uh, like, I think this was the, the year, year, that, year after. Oh, okay. On Demon Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else happened. Messi's washed. Uh, Mario Goza scored to win the World Cup and oh, yeah. give Germany their fourth. Argentina still on That two. finish is nuts, by the way. That was obscene. It was like 109 from this like 20-year-old dude from like northwestern Germany. You said, all right, I'm, I'm literally him. So fair play. Bro, we, okay, here's a question I've always had. Um, oh, what, what was my question? It was, oh, would you rather have the career of like, I don't know. Like a Harry Kane or a Mario Goza, where you're recognized oh. as like one of the best players in the world and like your class, oh. and you know Goetze, you play for like 13 years, or you have one moment and you just no, live off Goetze. that for the rest of your life. Good, yeah. so easily, so easy. <laughs> yeah, let's see what else. So oh, easy. Suarez decided to become a candidate and get banned from World Football for four months. That was cool. Yeah, that was uh, nuts. Was uh, it Kielini? three times too? It was his third time, yeah. Because he yeah. bit he bit some dude when he played for Ajax. He bit Branislav Ivanovic when he played for Chelsea. And here he looked at Chiellini and went, mm, screw this. <laughs> so yeah, that was the third time he had munched on literally. Crazy. Uh, Costa Rica made it to oh, like, yeah. the finals because Kaylor Navas said, I am him He's as God. well. Yeah. Like, that was obscene. Tim Krul became the cool. second coming of Jesus. Bro, the Netherlands used to sub him in for penalty shootouts and he did not lose until oh, he didn't yes, sub him in. Dude. I thought you were talking for some reason I was thinking of Tim Horn, the German guy. No, no, no. But yeah, yeah. Tim Krul is kind of him. Yeah, I remember Tim Krul balled out. Italy didn't make it out of a groups. Yeah, and, classic. Um, Miroslav Klose Wait, got no. Record. Italy didn't qualify, didn't they? Uh, they no, qualified. Italy didn't make it out of a... Oh... I don't think they qualify. No, I don't think they made it out of the groups because the they didn't qualify for 2018. Oh no! But I thought the last one they played in was 2006. No, because they played in 2010. Oh yeah, you're right. Point is, Italy had a stinker. Yeah, they did have a stinky. Miroslav Klose got the record for yeah, they got knocked out of the groups. Scored in uh, there. Yeah, Miroslav Klose got the record for scored across any amount of World Cups at 16. It's so crazy. Yeah, so big on my We guy. just need one Holland, one Holland World Cup. And <laughs> one <laughs> Norway, one Norway. <laughs> and then this brings us to the most recent World Cup, 2018. Yeah. Held in Russia. Uh, I have it's three a weird notes. One. I have three notes down for this. Yeah. Uh, firstly, Mbappe is literally so clear of anyone else on earth. Like, not even close. Yeah, it's such this a good dude, tournament. This dude at 18, like, carried France to the World Cup. And also, but let's mention Paul mean, Pogba. We, we need to mention Paul Pogba. This Paul Pogba also balled out. When Paul Pogba is happy and not playing for Man 
I did. This man might oh, be the yeah. best center mid I've seen in my life. Oh, he he has everything that you need to be great. He just never is. Yeah, because he plays for Man U. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Mbappe, France, we're we're so stupid, bro. We're so good. We're actually like unmatched. It's problematic. <laughs> I feel bad for us, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, course. Mbappe clear. Luka Modric single-handedly carried Croatia. Oh my uh, to god! The World Cup final and himself no, no, don't, to the Don't 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 sleep on Mandzukic and Vida, the goat. Vida. Vida Vida didn't get the Ballon d'Or, my guy. He deserved it. Sure. <laughs> Point is, Luka Modric wins the Ballon d'Or primarily because of his tournament. Let's be real. Yeah, for and, sure. Like peak Messi Ronaldo Ballon d'Or. Bro. The people who think Modric didn't deserve this Ballon d'Or are actually crazy. Yeah, I know. It's like... They're actually delusional to think, oh, taking a country with four million people to the World Cup final... Dude, Robbie thinks thinks that Ballon d'Or should have gone to Virgil... To who? To Virgil van Dijk. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know, bro. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, four point zero seven million people, which for comparison is one third the size of Los Angeles. Fire, good for him. The World but Cup final. My last points: England's choked. Ha ha, Robbie, if you're listening to this, how did they choke again? Who did they? Uh, play? They lost to Croatia in the semis. And oh yeah, I remember yeah. Robbie looking at me and going, "Dude, if we lose to Croatia, I'm gonna renounce my citizenship," and he has yet to turn back his passport coming it's coming soon yeah. but yeah i mean that's after my... they get grouped this year by iran and usa <laughs> Dude, the passport's when, going when iran and wales make through that group i'm going to cry when gareth bale comes out of his golfing retirement at lafc to go and destroy england just to come yeah. back and play some more golf i mean I, i'm with it but yeah i mean yeah. that's that's my wrap-up of major moments of the world cup that's great i mean I think we covered pretty much everything that was important, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I skipped like 1982, but like who, uh, Argentina. Yeah, wasn't there, so you know what I mean. There's a lot. There's, I mean, again, it's a lot of history to go over, but we're we're entering kind of a new era now, you know, of the World Cup. I feel like I don't know whether what it is, but for some reason, it does just feel different this year. Um, I agree. I think I'm gonna. I'll go into a little bit about like this year's world cup in in specific and how this might be kind of the new generation of world cup which i mean everyone can have a different opinion on but i'm just going to provide the facts and you guys can form your own opinions um so just for some background information uh qatar 2022 is the first tournament held outside of the summer months which is pretty interesting uh especially because we had a war in which i mean they canceled the tournament for but anyways we move uh, it's this 22nd iteration of the World, of the World Cup. Um, and I kind of want to break this down into to two major things that uh, give Qatar kind of a sour taste in some people's mouth. Um, I know I know we've talked about it before on the podcast, but I personally am not a huge fan of Qatar being the host. I don't know your point of view, Oscar, but I don't think anyone is like, you know what I mean? I don't think anyone looks at Qatar as like, ah, oh, yes, this, this is the spot. No, yeah, for sure. So I, I, the two main things I want to touch on are kind of the, the situation around bidding, kind of the weird stuff that happened in the bidding process for this to happen, and then also what's built up to this World Cup where there's a lot of people that have kind of a distaste towards this one in particular. So 
let's get started with the bidding. Uh, it, it is one of the most controversial host countries of all time. The bidding began in 2009, and over 16 different countries were looking to host. Um, by 2011, it came down to just five countries who were going to host. It was South Korea, USA, Japan, Australia, or Qatar. Which, if you ask me, the other four sounds so sick. Like, imagine yeah, an Australian World Cup, bro. An Australian World Cup during the summer, so it's during the winter there. We all go down, travel yeah. around Australia. Oh, my God. Yeah, fair. No, I agree. I mean, Qatar is clearly the bottom pick of those five. Yes, yeah. Uh, so then the FIFA, there's a 22%, uh, wow, 22-person FIFA executive board, uh, and they went to meet in Zurich in December of 2010, kind of to just go over the, uh, the bidding and everything to figure out, you know, who deserves to get this, this spot. Um, however, two of the executives were suspended for suspected corruption and bribery <laughs> regarding their votes before they even went to that committee. Um, so already going into it people were very suspicious about what's going on like why are people bidding a certain way um so at the end of it qatar ended up winning the bid but there's just like this massive outstanding investigation that's going on for the past 10 years about whether this voting process was influenced by outside funds or not and from what's gone on it looks highly likely because within that first within the first vote within the first vote Qatar had 12 votes, and they, need a, they needed a 13 to get a true whatever it was. They needed to knock out one area, one country, and then they needed majority from there. I, mean, I think look, 12 was then the barrier for it. I'm not going to lie. I don't think we need like CIA-level investigation to understand that the idea of Qatar that had no infrastructure prior to four months ago hosting the World Cup was a little... Yeah, it's very strange. And... The more that they've looked into it, uh, I'll just give you a little background on Qatar and then I'll give you some like deeper facts. But essentially, Qatar is the, the smallest country to ever host the World Cup, uh, with Switzerland in 1954 being the next smallest. Um, however, Switzerland is three times the size of Qatar and only had to host 16 teams versus 32. So already we kind of see an issue forming here where it's like, um, this seems a little suspect, you know. It's also uh, not in a desert. Yeah, it's also not in a desert, and there's just a lot of there's just a lot of things that point out this being very very strange. Um, let me pull up the exact facts here quickly, but I want to get into kind of some of the controversies, uh, especially regarding as Oscar said, it's a very underpopulated area, an underdeveloped area to host one of the most major events in the world. You know. Uh, so let's talk about kind of the migrant workers and what has happened in Qatar that is causing a lot of people to be against it. I think it was the Danish FA president who came out and or no Norwegian who said even if Norway had qualified for the World Cup this year, they would not have gone um, because they felt that the the quality of life that was provided for the workers there is uh, unsustainable and wrong. Um, so essentially, let me just kind of get into the, the meat of it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that have gone on here, but uh, essentially people are getting paid 99 cents an hour for a typical 48-hour work week, uh, the 28,000 workers who are working on the stadiums. So in total, it was equivalent to about 190 pounds a month. Um, 
for the work that they were doing to build these stadiums, which is pretty stupidly low, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, that's a little, I mean, for, like, yeah, no, I agree with you. <laughs> you know, it, you can obviously argue one way or the other, but no, I'm kidding. It's, it's actually horrible. Um, the working conditions are terrible, apparently. Uh, people are, are underfed. They don't have enough water. There's no water provided on the work sites. Uh, no shade provided. Um, people are working, obviously, like prime hours. So they're working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. just in the sun, dying for like the past eight years. So in total, this is a quote. Uh, it, in March 2021, an investigative report published by The Guardian used data from embassies and national foreign employment offices to estimate migrant worker death tolls since the World Cup was awarded to Qatar. Between 2010 and late 2020, over 6,500 migrant workers from India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Nepal, and Sri Lanka have died in Qatar. Which is 6,500 from working on these stadiums. Um, and again, as I listed those five countries, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Nepal, and Sri Lanka, the reason that those are the people who are dying is because the Qatari workers themselves don't want to work on these stadiums. They know the dangers of it. And so what they're doing is they're going out to these other countries in Asia, finding people who are willing to work for almost no money to provide for their family and then bringing them and treating them terribly. Have you heard how they get them to stay? They pay them. They, they, no. they give them... Oh, it's, oh. It's even I don't know, Are you going to get into it or do you want me to? I, you can get into it. Okay. So, yeah, no, you're, you're completely correct. They show up and they say, hey, working opportunity, all the money you make gets sent back to your family, send, gets sent back home, whatever. Once yeah. you land at Doha, the airport in Qatar, they literally take your passport and put it in a box and they don't give it to you until the stadium is done. Yeah. So you're That's... like quite literally imprisoned in Qatar. Until one day a guy decides to hand you back your passport. Yeah. It's a, uh, and just to kind of cap, like kind of highlight more about that whole corruption issue we're seeing with Qatar. Uh, in March of 2022, the, the new FIFA president, his name's like, what's his name? It's Gianni in, in, I don't know how to pronounce Italian, but I think it's Infantino. Infantino. Uh, he said that the Gulf nation is being progressive in terms of labor rights and migrant rights, uh, which is crazy. His, his, his direct quote is, I am pleased to see this strong commitment from the Qatari authorities to ensure the reforms are fully implemented across the labor market, leaving a lasting legacy of the FIFA World Cup long after the event and benefiting migrant workers in the host country in the long term. Which is like, it does not sound like that's what's going on here. If you ask me, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you on that one. Um, but let me get back into kind of the the whole issue of uh, of paying off the the voters. But essentially, a, a former employee of the Qatari bid team, which is like the people who went for after the the World Cup, like the ones who wanted it, uh, they he they alleged that several African officials were paid 1.5 million dollars by Qatar. Um, in order to like revoke their own bids. So they're just like, oh, here, like you, take away your bid for the World Cup and we'll give you 1.5 million. Um, and then in March of 2014, it was discovered that a uh, disgraced former CONCACAF president, so like the person who runs the South American, North American thing, 
I think that's you know like the Concacaf yeah. Cup, whatever the U.S. Yeah, yeah, plays yeah, in. Yeah, uh, his name's Jack Warner. Uh, but he and his family were paid almost two million dollars from a firm linked to Qatar's successful campaign. Um, like that's been confirmed. So they're assuming that the U.S. bid for 2022 was eventually withdrawn due to that, uh, and possibly also the other South American countries who were bidding also withdrew because of his influence on Concacaf. Um, let me keep looking. There's such a mess. Yeah. So then Jim Boyce, who's the vice president of FIFA, who has gone on record to say he'd support a revote to find a new host if corruption allegations are proven. Um, but there's also there's things that are going on where essentially this investigation is getting drawn out way longer than like it's been 13 years now since the investigation started. Um, so they've been drawing this thing out just so Qatar can host and then they'll they'll just like cancel the investigation. I mean, that's at this the, that, point, there's what, like 29 days left? Yeah, yeah. So that's like, what they've been doing for like the past 10 years, pretty much. It's like, oh, we found something on the side here about this guy. We're going to keep investigating that. Um, anyways, there's just this whole issue because then there's this also this Russian influence, which is weird about money getting paid into it. And that, that, so essentially what has happened here is we're pretty much... 85 to 90 percent confident that qatar has bought this world cup um and that these other countries who bid for it rightfully have just been cheated out of it by the corruption of fifa in general see i was thinking about this like not too long ago when i was just about the world cup yeah had it have been like saudi arabia like a country that is huge and has like the infrastructure i feel like it would have far far less suspicious than Qatar. I agree. Yes, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, if it, even like the UAE or something. Yeah. Because, like, they host like an F1 race in Dubai. They have like a bunch of stuff going on in Abu Dhabi. Like, they have things to like make this happen. But yeah. Qatar didn't have anything other than like oil reserves and Doha. And now they've like built cities for this. Yeah. There's, and then also on top of that, there's like the, the thing of Qatar is also supporting, uh, supporting terrorist groups apparently against saudi arabia and yemen and all these things um so it's just this big big issue where essentially qatar is being very shady and i mean the only thing that we know that come out of qatar is the owner of psg who in himself is quite shady um uh, he's a uh, he's an interesting man and then on top of that obviously it's a uh, you know it's a big issue about LGBT rights as well, um, because homosexuality is illegal in Qatar and is punishable by death. Um, so it's just a very big thing where we've kind of given in to this idea that people can buy this bid now. And for the future, apparently, FIFA is considering having a, a Saudi Arabian country host every other World Cup. Like that is something that is possibly in the works where it'll I go to like Brazil and then go to like Oman and then to, I don't know, England back to Djibouti. So it, it's this whole issue now. It's about soccer in general, but like the corporatized, corporatized, corporatization. Yep. That word. <laughs> uh, and how money is just becoming such a big influence and to, to a point where people are just getting paid off to say things about it. So. I think what we can look forward to this year is um, 
is I think it'll be an opportunity for people to get bonded together. I think that's what the World Cup does really well. It gets people in the world to, you know, get together. But I do think that we really have to be careful for the future, uh, especially with allowing, like, political things to get involved and, and money to get thrown around. I was just um, thinking about this, too. Do you... How many of the games do you think, on some level, will have a protest either around them or be interrupted by Here's the thing, right? I don't think that there's going to be much protest because of how underdeveloped the country is. The, the people who go there will have to have the means to afford to be there. And it'll, it'll, no one living in Qatar is going to protest the tournament. No, you know? but I mean, like, people coming in being like, oh, like, why is it here? Like, things like that. I think there'll definitely be commentary on it. There'll definitely be media outlets on it. Um, and I think we might see, remember in Russia how they had the hotels that were literally just concrete boxes that had, like, nothing yes. in them? Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of that where we'll just see these buildings that are just pieces of shit that they're making people stay in with, like, no AC and they're just literal cookers so we'll see we'll see not to put a negative tint on the world cup but i think hope i i I hate to say this i hope it goes so poorly that fifa never awards it to a country who buys it again you know what i mean no i know what you mean that's your point like i hope i hope that the response is so negative that we start to see people who deserve to host be able to host I mean, and obviously, I want. I, I think you're right. With like the UAE is a is a place that I would love to have the World Cup hosted, right? Or even like Saudi Arabia. Like, think about how many. That's like, what I mean. Huge... Sorry, yeah, Saudi Arabia is what I was thinking of. Right. Like, plus they also they already have like huge stadiums in Mecca yeah. and Riyadh and Jeddah. Like, in... so like everything's already there, and they don't need to yeah. like import people from India and join their passports to have them and build kill it on, them, like, kill sixty five hundred of them. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty terrible, but I think that's a pretty good wrap up of everything. I think we've got a lot to look forward to in the next month. Obviously, France is a is going to be a powerhouse, as you said. Unfortunately, Sweden will not be competing. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions for for teams for me to follow, I am more than open to them. Uh, feel free to to go to our TikToks. Probably the best place to find me, and uh, just comment where you think I should who I, who you think I should follow. I'm open. So I'm seeing Korea for you. I'm seeing. I'm a, thinking a, a, Denmark. Denmark see, or that's Croatia? A, that's blasphemy. Is it though? Like That'd it kind like of is, but it, I'm not going to support England though. No, I know. That's what I'm saying though. You being Swedish and now backing Denmark would be equivalent to me as a French person backing the English. Yeah, I know. However, I'd rather see Denmark succeed than other people. Yeah, and Nigeria is, Nigeria is my secondary team. They also didn't make it. <laughs> I don't want to root for Senegal. At least they're not Italian. At least I'm not Italian, to be fair. That is true. Do you have any uh, closing comments? I think we're, what are we looking at a ton? Probably uh, about like an hour. An hour 20-ish. All right, yeah, we're, we're probably good to go. Um, yeah. Let us know what you guys think. I'm actually curious to know what you think about this style. I think it was, in my opinion, I like it a lot more. Um. But obviously, I'm a little biased because I came up with it. This was, I was going to say, this is your idea. How did, how did you feel about it as a, you know? As no, a I agree. I like, I, I, it feels more structured. Yeah, I like the structure. I like that we're sharing knowledge versus just being imbeciles, you know? Right. That's your point. Um, 
but yeah, that's the World Cup. Let us know what you guys want to hear about next. We've got a little list going, so if we don't hear any suggestions, and we'll, we'll come up with something ourselves. I know we follow kind of, Twitter, follow, follow TikTok, Twitter. yeah, follow iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast.com. Um, what else do we have? I think that's it, pretty much. Yeah, fair. Um, we might be making YouTube videos again soon. <laughs> I was supposed to be doing that, but I have not been. Um, so there's a chance that it does happen, but don't. I'm not promising anything. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next week. And goodbye.